0: I would like to dedicate this book to Harvey, Flat Stanley's Worldwide Adventures number three, The Japanese Ninja Surprise, written by Sarah Pennypacker. Chapter one, The 17th Samurai. I salute you, Master Oda Nobu, greatest of all samurai warriors. Arthur Lambchop bowed deeply from the waist as he spoke these words to the large poster hanging in the bedroom he shared with his brother Stanley. The poster was for a movie called The Seventeenth Samurai. It showed two warriors, the tall samurai and a small ninja looking very fierce. The tall samurai wore a long kimono and held a shiny silver sword above his head. The small ninja was dressed exactly like Arthur in black pajamas with a strip of white cloth knotted at his waist and another tied around his forehead. He held his hands high like the blades of knives ready to strike. Both warriors looked as if they could leap right out of the poster. And then the small ninja did just that. Hiya! He shouted as he flew off the wall. He bounced high on the bed and landed with a thud in front of Arthur. Prepare to be defeated, Arthur son, the small ninja cried. Never Arthur leaped up, bounced high on the other bed, and landed with a boom on the opposite side of the room. It is you who will be defeated, Stanley Son. The small ninja was Arthur's older brother, Stanley Lambchop. Not long before, he had awoken to find that a large bulletin board had fallen upon him in the night, leaving him unharmed, but as flat as a pancake. By now, Stanley's family was used to his unusual shape, although Stanley wasn't always so happy about it. At the moment, however, he was enjoying himself tremendously. He and his brother chased each other around their bedroom, leaping on and off their beds with thuds and booms as they imitated the karate chops and kicks of their all-time favorite movie star, Oda Nobu. Boys, Mrs. Lambchop called, my teacups are rattling. Is there nothing you fellows can do that doesn't make a ruckus, called Mr. Lambchop. How about a little quiet time? Quiet time, Stanley grumbled. He pulled off the white cloth around his head. Where's the fun in that? But then he had an idea. Arthur, let's write a letter to Oda Nobu. Maybe he'll write back and send us an autographed picture. Or a ninja throwing star, Arthur agreed, his grumpiness disappearing. He rummaged through his desk until he found a pad of paper and a ballpoint pen. You're good with words, Stanley. What should we say? Hmm, Stanley said. How about Dear Master Oda Nobu? We are your biggest fans ever. We have seen every one of your movies. He sent Arthur a questioning look. Arthur shrugged. A hundred times? He suggested. Stanley smiled. Yes, that's good. Right. We have seen all of your movies at least a hundred times. Arthur began to write. Then he stopped. Stanley, he said, Oda Nobu might think we're exaggerating. Stanley looked up at the poster, now with only one warrior on it, and bowed. You're right, he said to Arthur. Honesty is an important part of the ninja code of honor. How about this? We have seen every one of your movies several times. Arthur nodded and Stanley continued to dictate. Master Oda Nobu, it is too bad Japan is so far away. If you were closer, we would offer our services as your personal ninjas. Stanley paused. Wait a minute, Arthur. Wait a minute. Arthur, Arthur repeated as he wrote the words down. No, don't write that, Stanley said, and took the pad out of Arthur's hands. I have a better idea. He dropped the pad on the desk and began to rummage around through the drawers. Aha, he said, and held up a large brown envelope. There, he said, and held up a sheet of postage stamps. Got it, he said, and held up a thick black marker. Stanley... What's your idea? Arthur asked. Stanley placed many, many stamps in the corner of the big envelope. He uncapped the marker, printed something on the envelope in big block letters, and then held it up to show Arthur. Master Nobu, Japan. Stanley bowed deeply to his brother. I salute you, Arthur-san. Now fold me up. Chapter 2, Fan Mail Stanley Lambchop was no stranger to traveling in an envelope. Since becoming flat, he had been airmailed to visit a friend in California and had even been posted to Egypt. But Japan wasn't California or even Egypt. Japan was very, very far away. Arthur had packed a good supply of rolled up fruit snacks, of course, so Stanley didn't go hungry. But the trip was long and boring and folded up as he was, he was almost always uncomfortable. Finally, he felt the airplane bump to a landing and the next voices he heard were Japanese. After many more long, uncomfortable hours of travel being flipped and rolled, sorted and stacked, Stanley felt himself come to a rest. In his eagerness to be released, Stanley began to stretch. He rocked from side to side and bounced up and down. That didn't get him out of the envelope, but it did get him some attention. Stanley heard footsteps and then voices coming closer. He could tell by the tone of the voices that the people were at first surprised by, and then suspicious of, the jumping envelope. He was about to call out when someone shouted, and suddenly the envelope was jerked up from where it lay. With a sharp rip, light poured in from above his head. Without even thinking, Stanley flexed his cramped muscles and sprang from the envelope. He had only a moment to adjust his eyes to the scene before him when he realized he was surrounded by ninjas. "Uh Uh-oh, Stanley thought, realizing he was still dressed in his own ninja uniform. This isn't good. But before he could say a word or even think what he would say, the ninjas attacked One flew through the air, his heel aimed straight at Stanley's head. Stanley quickly turned sideways, and because he was only half an inch thick, the ninja flew right past him and crashed into a wall. Another ninja threw a swift karate chip at Stanley, chop at Stanley, but Stanley folded himself in two right at his waist, and the ninja's powerful hand sliced through empty air. Now all the ninjas were on the attack. Stanley leaped and hovered and bent himself this way and that, And somehow managed to avoid every blow. Then something whistled by his ear, and Stanley heard a loud thunk. A shiny ninja throwing star was embedded in the far wall. He looked back to see who had thrown it at him and saw Oda Nobu. Wait, Stanley shouted. Oda Nobu, I am not a ninja, I am just a fan. I've seen every one of your movies several times. But the ninjas kept coming. Stanley bobbed and weaved and rolled and folded. It's only me. He tried again. Stanley Lamb Chop from America. Oda Nobu shouted a sharp command in Japanese, and the ninjas immediately stopped their attack. He stepped forward, his eyes very wide. You are the Flat Stanley. He gasped. Stanley nodded. Oda Nobu turned to the ninjas. He spoke sternly to them, the words rushing out like karate chops. Stanley understood only the last two. Flat, Stanley. The ninjas turned together to look at Stanley. They wore the same expression of awe as Odinobu, wide-eyed, their mouths hanging open, and then all at once they were laughing and bowing and shaking his hand. But Stanley said to Abu, "How do you know who I am?" Abu put his arm around Stanley's shoulder. Everyone in the whole world knows a flat Stanley. Chapter 3, The Ninja Way. Stanley was shown to a beautiful room in Oda beautiful home. The walls and even the doors were made of delicate rice paper stretched, ac- stretched across wooden frames. The only piece of furniture was a bed, a mat on a low platform nearly on the floor. A handsome kimono embroidered with scarlet dragons lay across the bed. Stanley slipped his arms into the sleeves and wrapped the kimono around himself. And around and around. Apparently kimonos were not styled for people with his shape until finally he could tie the sash. Then one of the ninjas, the one who had thrown a flying kick at Stanley, appeared at the door. He gestured for Stanley to follow him. At the end of a long sunlit hallway, the ninja slid open a rice paper door. There was Odin Abu, seated on a straw mat in front of a low table. The movie star smiled as the ninja showed Stanley how to sit at the table with his legs folded beneath him. For once, Stanley was grateful to be flat. Odin Abu gestured over the objects laid upon the table, ceramic bowls, a small scoop, a ladle, and a covered jar. Beside these, water boiled in an iron pot above a flame. This is the tea ceremony, Stanley's son, He said, it is very ancient and a very important tradition for Japanese people. Stanley watched as Oda Nabu measured powdered leaves into one of the ceramic bowls. Next, he ladled hot water into the bowl. He used the whisk to stir the tea. Stanley could tell that the careful motions had taken a lot of practice to learn. The movie star bowed to Stanley and held the bowl out to him. Stanley bowed and took the bowl. Oda Nabu made a drinking gesture and Stanley took a sip. Stanley had never had tea before. It tasted... Stanley searched for a word. Mrs. Lambchop always said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Thinking about his mother reminded Stanley of the delicious hot chocolate she often made for special occasions. For an instant, homesickness washed over him, but he fought it because this was a special occasion. And he wanted to tell Oda Abu how much he appreciated the tea ceremony, even if the tea tasted... And then a solution came to him. The tea tasted interesting. He started to say this, but his host held a finger to his lips. We will talk soon, he said, and reached for the bowl of tea. Stanley passed it to him, and Oda and Abu drank. When they were finished, Oda Abu cleaned all the tea ceremony's objects, and arranged them neatly on the table. He and Stanley bowed to each other once again. Then Oda Naboo stood and motioned for Stanley to follow him out of the tea room and into a garden. They sat on a bench next to a fountain. Around the fountain were the smallest trees Stanley had ever seen. Bonsai, Oda Naboo explained, as if he had read Stanley's mind. The art of training plants into pleasing miniature shapes. Another important tradition to my people. Yet another one is... Odenabu looked directly at Stanley. Stanley, son, he said, do you know the history of the ninja? Sure, Stanley said. Well, that is, I've seen all of your movies several times. Odenabu laughed. Ah, yes, of course, but permit to tell you a little more. He picked up a stick, and in the sand, he drew what looked like a charging seahorse. In the old times, he said, Japan had many rulers. Each had his own kingdom, his own army, his own people, and lands to protect. Oda Nibu drew small circles inside the larger outline, which Stanley now realized was the shape of Japan. Often, these rulers would fight one another, Oda Nibu continued. Like people everywhere, I am sorry to say. If you have something I want, and I believe I am more powerful than you, I just might decide to take it from you. Oda Nobu drew a line between two circles in the sand. Of course, a ruler could use his army to take what he wanted, he said. But often, he believed it was better to use ninjutsu. Do you know what that word means, stanley Son. Well, Stanley said, it sounds a little like ninja. Yes, it does, Orenabu said. Ninjutsu means the art of stealth. Ninjas are trained in the art of going undetected, of not being seen. But, Stanley said, I could see your ninjas pretty clearly. stanley Son, you are a very funny young man, Odenabu said, and very honest in your observations. No, those men are not ninjas. They are my bodyguards. They just like to wear the ninja uniforms. Bodyguards? Stanley asked. Why would you need bodyguards? You're Odenabu. Odenabu shrugged. He looked embarrassed. Of course, I don't need bodyguards. It is the movie studio. They think it makes their biggest movie star look even more important. Odenaboo brushed away his drawings. He stood up and then bowed to Stanley. Stanley, son, he said in a low voice, I must ask you a very important question. Will you be my personal ninja? Stanley couldn't believe his ears. His favorite movie star was asking him to be his personal ninja? Wait until Arthur heard about this. But, Stanley said, why me? I don't know anything about karate or judo or jujitsu or any of that. Remember ninjutsu, stanley Son, Oda Nabu said. The art of stealth. Your flatness allows you to go places and do things without being seen. It makes you the perfect ninja. Stanley couldn't believe his luck. Of course he would be Oda Nabu's personal ninja. Of course he would. Chapter 4, Flat Ninja. Stanley was taken to Oda personal tailor where he was measured for a ninja uniform. It took the tailor a little time to figure out how to fit a boy only a half inch thick, but in the end, the uniform made a glossy black silk fit him perfectly. Stanley had never felt anything so soft. That night, Oda and Stanley rode through the crowded streets of Tokyo in the movie star's stretch limousine. The bodyguards followed in two other cars. They ate at one of Japan's most famous restaurants where everyone, from the waiters to the other customers, smiled adoringly at Odenabu and Stanley. Even the chef bowed deeply when he delivered a long lacquered board covered with sushi to Odenabu's personal ninja. If someone had told Stanley just a week before that he would be eating raw fish and enjoying it halfway around the world, he would have laughed. He was laughing now, but for a different reason. The food was delicious, even the seaweed and the smoked eel. And here he was, sitting with his all-time favorite movie star. After dinner, Oda Nabu took Stanley to a karaoke bar. They took turns singing one silly song after another. The crowd burst into wild applause after every one. Stanley drank three sodas that tasted exactly like bubble gum. He loved Japan. Only one thing bothered him. Just why did Oda Nobu want a personal ninja anyway? He found out the next day. Oda Nobu took Stanley to an exhibition of famous kites at a big modern art museum. After admiring the amazing kites, some like ferocious dragons, others like nearly life-sized houses, Oda Nobu stopped to speak to a group of reporters. They spoke in Japanese, and Stanley didn't understand a word. But then One of the reporters asked a question and pointed at Stanley, and everyone laughed. Oda Naboo looked at Stanley and shrugged. Then he picked Stanley up and smiled and tossed him high into the air. For a moment, Stanley hung there beside the kites on display, caught by the draft of the museum's air conditioning. It reminded him of other times he had flown like this. Once in the park, with Arthur skillfully flying him with the other kites, and another time at Mount Rushmore. That time, he had been caught by a gust of wind and flown out dangerously close to Abraham Lincoln's bushy eyebrows. But Arthur had cleverly thrown him a lasso and guided him back to earth. Stanley had always felt safe with his brother on the ground below him. Below him now, the crowd laughed and applauded. But then the air conditioner's breeze stopped and Stanley plummeted to the hard marble floor of the museum. Everyone laughed, including Oda Naboo, who looked very proud of himself. Everyone except Stanley. Later that day, Oda Naboo took Stanley to the studio where he was making his latest movie. Stanley was thrilled to watch as his hero stood before the movie cameras and pretended to be the most famous samurai of all time. But something was wrong. Time after time, Abu stopped the action to complain to a man Stanley guessed was the director. The actor would cover his face, squinting and frowning. The director would shrug, shake his head, and start the scene over again. The fourth time this happened, Abu seemed angry. He made the same gestures again. The director shook his head again. Then Abu pointed to Stanley and said something to the director. The director nodded. The next thing Stanley knew, he found himself at the top of a long pole. He was stretched out on a frame, his hands and feet held by clips. A man on the ground held the pole, keeping Stanley between the bright sun and Naboo's face below. With the sun no longer blazing on Naboo's face, he was able to finish the scene. And everyone was happy. Everyone except Stanley. That night, Odenabu held a big party at his home. It is in your honor, stanley son," Odenabu said. The most famous people in Japan are coming to meet the most famous Stanley Lambchop." Stanley was pleased. Although he had grown tired of all the attention that had come with being a flattened boy, he thought tonight would be different. The party was in his honor. But then, In the middle of the party, some ladies pointed at Stanley and asked Odenabu a question. The ladies giggled. Odenabu shrugged as if to say, why not? He picked Stanley up off the floor and then expertly folded him into an origami star. Hey, Stanley shouted into the back of his own knee. Cut it out. Unfold me. Oda Naboo held the Stanley star high above his head so that everyone at the party could see it. Then, with one loud snap of his fingers, the star unfurled, and there was Stanley again, crumpled, creased, and very unhappy. So this was what having a personal ninja meant to Oda Naboo, having the world's only flat boy to show off to his adoring fans. Stanley picked himself up off the floor. I am supposed to be a ninja, He said to Odenaboo, I am not a party trick, and he marched off to his bedroom as straight as his creases would allow. He fell asleep, trying not to think about how much he wished he were back at home with his family. The next morning, Odenaboo knocked softly at the door and then slid it open. He bowed low to Stanley, who was still in bed. Stanley, son, Odenaboo said, I am here to apologize most sincerely for my disrespectful behavior yesterday. I wish to invite you to take a trip with me today. It is my way of asking for your forgiveness. Stanley studied Oda Nabu's face. The actor was not acting now. All right, Stanley said, when do we leave? Chapter five, off like a speeding bullet. An hour later, Stanley and Oda Nabu stood on the platform of the Shinkansen, Japan's famous bullet train. Oda Naboo held to Stanley's hand tightly. Even so, as the big, sleek train whooshed into the station, Stanley felt himself lifted ever so slightly off his feet. Oda squeezed his hand tighter. Today, I will show you the westernmost tip of Japan, Stanley-son, which is also the southernmost tip, he said. There we will see many wonderful things, including the first cherry blossoms of the year. Perhaps we will chase the opening blossoms all the way to the north, he smiled warmly. Stanley Meff felt much better than he had the night before. He felt proud again to be Oda Nobu's personal ninja. Then something occurred to him. Oda-san, he said, where are your bodyguards today? Oda Nobu laughed. I'm afraid I gave them the wrong instructions. They are waiting for me at the movie studio. But so what? He smiled and spread his hands. I have my own personal ninja with me. Why do I need bodyguards? That made Stanley feel proud, but also a little nervous. What if something happened? He was responsible for the great movie star's safety now. He and he alone. Then again, Abu was the most famous warrior on the planet. Who would dare try to hurt him? Stanley thought about these things as they settled into the comfortable chairs on the bullet train. Almost immediately, the train slid out of the station. Within moments, they were racing through the Japanese countryside. The Shinkansen travels at nearly 300 kilometers per hour, Odenaboo said, as the towns and fields outside became a blur. Wow, said Stanley. That's that's nearly 200 miles per hour. He suddenly realized his teachers were right. Math was really useful. As they rode, Odenaboo reached into his pocket and pulled out a small square of shiny paper. He made a few quick folds and twists, and there was a perfect little frog. He gave it to Stanley, pulled another square of paper from his pocket, and swish, snap, snick, presented Stanley with an elegant, long-necked crane. You're really good at origami, oda Stanley said. Almost as good as you are at karate. Just then, the door of the train car opened and a man walked in. He was wearing a dark suit and dark glasses. He noticed Odenaboo and slowed down before walking past. Suddenly, Stanley saw that Odenaboo was frowning and tightly gripping the armrest of his chair. oda son," Stanley said, are you all right? Odenaboo released his grip on the armrest. He nodded. stanley son," he said, I must tell you something. For a few moments, Odenaboo stared out the window at the hills rushing by. You and I are very much alike, stanley son," he said at last. When I look at you, I see myself as a young boy. Stanley was stunned. You were flat too? Odenaboo laughed. No, but I was also different in my own way. He turned to face Stanley. Look at me, Stanley son. What do you see? Stanley smiled. I see the greatest movie star in the whole world. Look more closely, Odenaboo said. What do you see when you watch my movies? You see this handsome face? this perfect smile, you hear this deep voice. stanley Son, when I was your age, I wanted to be a karate master, but this face and this smile and this voice made me different in other ways. And so instead, I became an actor. Stanley listened quietly as Oda Naboo spoke. Instead of learning karate, I learned to act, he continued. I only pretend to know karate in the movies. But I've seen your movies, Stanley said. You are a master. Oda shook his head sadly. No, Stanley son, when it is time for a big fight scene, I am not in it. It is my stunt double you see in the movies. He looks like me, but unlike me, he really is a karate master. Stanley couldn't believe what he was hearing. It is why I have bodyguards, Oda said. On the movie screen, I can defeat all enemies. In the real world, I can defeat no one. I cannot even use my ninja star. It is only to make me appear tough. They rode in silence for a few minutes. Stanley, son, Odenabu spoke. Here is a lesson I learned and that I wish to share with you. These things that make me special, this face, this smile, this voice, these things make me what I am, but not who I am. Do you understand? I think so stanley said but he wasn't sure who i am is the boy who wanted to be a karate master Odenabu said and placed his hand over his heart he is still in here but i forgot about him for too long i got confused by what i am and now i think it is too late for him Odenabu looked very serious now stanley son your flatness is what makes you special but you must remember this being flat is what you are. It is not who you are. Who you are is a very bright, very funny, very curious young boy. It is who you are, flat or round. Always remember that, Stanley, son, flat or round. Chapter six, surprise visitors. Oda had said that they would see many wonderful sights at the end of their journey. Stanley was not disappointed. Everywhere he looked, he saw hundreds of cherry trees, each covered with thousands of pink blossoms. The blossoms swayed in a warm breeze, blowing in from the East China Sea. Standing there in the bright sunlight under a deep blue sky, Stanley thought it was the most beautiful sight he'd ever seen. Someday, stanley son, Odenabu said, I will visit you in America. We will go together to your nation's capital, Washington, District of Columbia. Did you know that you have your own cherry trees there? Stanley said he hadn't known that. Oh, yes, Odenabu said. In 1912, the people of Japan, as a sign of friendship, gave your country 3,000 cherry trees. And now every spring, you have your very own cherry blossom festival. Yes, I believe that someday we will go to it together. Odenabu smiled down warmly, but then he looked at Stanley closer. He frowned. "'Stanley, son, I am sorry to say "'that you you are still a little creased "'from being folded up last night, "'but I know something that may help.' "'He hailed a taxi, "'and they took a short ride into the countryside. "'Looking out the window, "'Stanley saw something amazing. "'There, in the distance, was a volcano. "'Smoke rose in a dark plume "'from the crater at the top. "'Oda, son, is that a real volcano?' "'Oh, yes,' Oda Naboo replied. Japan is a group of islands formed long ago by volcanoes. In fact, although Japan is a very small country, more than 10% of all the active volcanoes in the world are found here. The taxi pulled to a stop in front of a beautiful low building. Stanley recognized the words in and spa among the Japanese characters on the sign. Here we are, Odenabu said. Now you will discover one of the advantages of living in the land of volcanoes. They walked along a raked gravel path until they came to what looked like a gigantic stone swimming pool. The big volcano smoked in the distance, and the swimming pool appeared to be smoking, too. Throughout Japan, you will find hot springs, Odenabu said. The water comes from deep underground. It is heated by the same forces that make the volcano erupt. Stanley stood in the warm steam rising from the hot springs. He felt his wrinkles melting away. It felt so good. Afterward, he and Odenabu found a stone bench in a bonsai garden. They sat in silence as Odenabu made one origami figure after another. When he finished one, he would hand it to Stanley. Stanley lined the creatures along the bench, a dog, a cat, a grasshopper, a swan, and then a small flat boy. Stanley knew who that was supposed to be. You have a brother, yes? Odenabu asked. Stanley nodded. And Odenabu made another paper boy, this one not so flat. And a mother and a father, Odenabu said, and handed him a paper mother and father. Stanley sighed as he lined them up on the bench. You miss your family, don't you, Stanley's son? Odenabu asked. Stanley admitted that he did very much. Well, I am sure they miss you too, very much, Odenabu said. Perhaps then it is time you went home. Thinking about how much he missed his family, Stanley could almost hear his mother's voice calling his name. Stanley Lambchop! The voice sounded so real. Stanley Lambchop, you were supposed to be down for breakfast four days ago. Stanley whirled around, and there they were, his mother and his father and Arthur, all hurrying toward him. Arthur was the first to reach him. Sorry, he said. They made me tell you where... Arthur gasped as he recognized the man on the bench beside his brother. "'Oh, my gosh! It's the 17th Samurai!' he cried, bowing several times. "'I salute you, Master Odenabu, greatest of all Samurai warriors!' Odenabu smiled and bowed to Arthur. Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop joined in them. "'Young man,' Mr. Lambchop said to Stanley sternly, "'Can and may are two entirely different words.' Just because you can mail yourself halfway around the world does not mean that you may. Your mother and I have been worried sick. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad, Stanley said. He gave them big hugs and then hugged his brother too. He was so happy to see them all. But I've been having such a good time. I ate raw fish and I went to the movie studio. And you know that Japan is more than 10% of the... I don't want to interrupt you, dear, Mrs. Lambchop interrupted him but I think we should get going. We shall hear all about your adventure on the way." Before anyone could say another word, the sky darkened. Stanley looked up, expecting to see heavy clouds blotting out the sun. Instead, he saw two ninjas, their faces hidden by black masks, racing along the rooftops on opposite sides of the garden. Between them, they held an enormous black cloth. At the far end of the garden, Two more ninjas held the other corners of the cloth. When the racing ninjas reached the end of the roof, they stopped. Then all four snapped the cloth and it billowed up like a huge parachute. Screaming, In unison, they leaped high in the air and floated down into the garden. The next second, Stanley was struggling to untangle himself from the black cloth that now covered him and his family and Oda All of them were shouting in panic. Then, loudest of all, Stanley heard Odenaboo call, "'Stanley, son, you must help me. "'I am being kidnapped.' The Lamb Chop struggled for another long minute before Stanley was finally able to find the edge of the cloth. He quickly pulled it from the others, and looking around in the bright sunshine, his heart nearly stopped. Odenaboo was gone. Chapter 7, Kidnapped "'Odenaboo's been kidnapped!' cried Arthur. What should we do? Seems to me it's those ninjas who should be worried, chuckled Mrs. Lambchop. If your famous friend is half the fierce warrior you boys say he is, I believe they'll have their hands full. Still, Harriet, a crime has been committed, Mr. Lambchop reminded his wife. We must call the police at once and give them our report. Stanley shook his head. Odenaboo made me his personal ninja. He said, It was my responsibility to protect him, and I didn't. Now it is my responsibility to find him. George Lambchop put a hand on his older son's shoulder. Your mother and I have always taught you boys to live up to your responsibilities. However, there's school on Monday, that's a responsibility, too. And besides, Arthur said, all Oda Naboo has to do is use his incredible kick of catastrophe. Those ninjas will wish they'd never been born. Stanley thought sadly about what Oda Naboo had confided in him. The movie star was probably very afraid right now. And if the kidnappers found out he couldn't protect himself, his career would be over. No, he told his family. I must save him. But where are we going to start? Asked Arthur. Stanley looked all around the garden. Something on the ground near the gate caught his attention. He walked over and picked it up. How about here? He said, and held it up for the others to see. It was an origami star made from Oda shiny paper. Stanley's family, family followed him as he looked for more paper stars. There! Stanley called time after time as he ran ahead to pick up another. This way! They hurried along like this for hours. Mrs. Lambchop, who was in excellent shape because of daily exercise, greatly enjoyed the hike. But Mr. Lamb Chop found himself huffing and puffing. Too much time behind the desk at the office, he said. I guess this should be a good lesson for me. Eventually, the stars led them to a footbridge that crossed a stream and then ran along a long row of trees. Finally, just as the sun was about to set, they came to a lake. At the shore, Stanley found one more paper star. He pointed to an island in the middle of the lake. On the island was a beautiful little pagoda there stanley said that's where odenaboo is but how are we going to get there arthur asked i don't see any boats stanley thought a little and then smiled who wants to go first he asked then he lay down and slipped onto the lake's surface one by one stanley ferried his family across to the island he kicked as quietly as he could in a few moments They were all together again, crouching in the darkness outside the pagoda. "'Now what?' asked Arthur. "'Lift me up, Arthur,' Stanley said. "'I want to look in this window.' Arthur gave his brother a boost, and Stanley peeked in the window. He did not see the four ninjas, but he did see Oda Naboo, gagged and tied to a chair, with his wrist bound together in his lap. Stanley hopped down. "'He's in there,' he reported. "'They have him tied up.' "'So what should we do?' asked Arthur. Stanley tried to think like a ninja. He remembered what Odenabu had said about the art of stealth. He looked down at the last origami star in his hand. I have a plan, Arthur, he said. Fold me up exactly as I say. First, my left foot to my right shoulder. Next. Chapter 8, The Ninja Star. Arthur crept quietly up the steps of the pagoda. He held an origami star next to his ear. But this wasn't one of Oda Naboo's paper stars. This was his brother, Stanley Lambchop. Okay, Arthur, this is it, Stanley said. His voice was muffled, folded up as he was. When we get to the door, knock loudly. When the door opens, throw me in as hard as you can, straight at Oda and then run. If they come after you, you and mom and dad have to swim for the shore. Gee, Stanley, I don't think I like this plan. We have to be as brave and daring as ninjas now, Stanley told his brother. Naboo is counting on us. Arthur took a deep breath. He raised the Stanley star up, ready to throw, and knocked. In a moment, the door opened and there stood four smiling girls. Stanley stared from under his ankle. Um, wait a minute, Arthur, he began. Too late. Arthur, now thinking like a ninja, threw Stanley as hard as he could. Odinaboo's eyes widened as he watched the ninja star fly right for his head. Stanley flew straight and true, the way a ninja star should. He hit Odinaboo on the forehead and then bounced to the floor. Oda-san, it's me, Stanley, he shouted. If Odinaboo hadn't been tied down, he would have shot off the chair with shock. Stanley tried with all his might to get to Odinaboo's hand. On the second try, Odinaboo reached him and snapped his fingers and Stanley unfurled. Stanley pulled the tape from Odenaboo's mouth and then began to untie him. Arigato, stanley son," Thank you, Odenaboo whispered as he rubbed his wrist. Those are the craziest fans ever. Those girls, Stanley asked. Those girls are the ones who kidnapped you? Odenaboo shuddered. The craziest, he repeated. Are they dangerous, Stanley asked. Odenaboo stuck his head around the corner to see into the other room. He broke into a big smile. Perhaps you should ask your brother, he suggested. Stanley looked into the other room. There was Arthur, beaming with happiness. He was surrounded by the four girls who were folding little origami animals and giving them to him. Odenabu and Stanley marched straight up to Arthur and the girls. Odenabu said something to the girls in Japanese. His words were harsh and the girls looked frightened. Stanley couldn't understand what Odenaboo was telling them, but then at the end he heard "flat Stanley." At this, the girls turned to look at him, wide-eyed, with their hands to their mouths. Then, all of a sudden, they were all around him, laughing and taking pictures. "Hey," Arthur said. "Mariko, Cho, Taki, Hana, what about me?" But the girls had forgotten all about Arthur, and it seemed Abu... But Odenaboo had not forgotten about them. He spoke sternly again, and all four girls hung their heads as they listened. Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop appeared at the pagoda's front door. We will now return to the inn, Odenaboo told them. I will telephone the parents of these very disrespectful girls. At the inn, Arthur and Stanley watched as four taxis pulled away. In each was one very sorry girl and two very angry parents. Then... Odenaboo's limousine pulled up. Odenabu, Odenabu bowed to Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop. Your sons have performed as the most honorable, the most fearless of ninjas this evening. I insist you accompany me to Tokyo, where you will stay as my guests as long as you wish. Chapter 9, Tokyo. The next morning, everyone got up very early. I'm afraid we must leave on this evening's plane as the boys have school on Monday. Mrs. Lamb Chop told Odenaboo, but it would be lovely to spend the day sightseeing. Very well, said Odenaboo. You must allow me to be your personal tour guide of Tokyo at your service. And that one day, he took the Lamb Chops everywhere on a private tour of the Imperial Palace to an aquarium where they stood in a glass tunnel to watch electric eels and piranhas and seahorses challenge each other above them, to the zoo where they saw giant pandas and king penguins. To a sumo match, where Stanley saw the roundest men he'd ever seen. Arthur couldn't help himself. Be careful, Stanley, he joked. Those guys could flatten you. And then, of course, to the movie studio, where Oda Naboo introduced the lamb chops all around. At dusk, the limousine drew up in front of Oda Naboo's home again. Inside, the lamb chops were delighted to find four handsome kimonos waiting for them. Stanley knew what this meant. He led his family down the hall to the tea room where Oda Naboo was already seated on the straw mat. He sat down again as he had learned and gestured for his family to follow his example. Oda Naboo bowed to him and passed him the bowl of tea. Stanley bowed to Oda Naboo and took a sip. Then Oda Naboo caught his eye and nodded to Mrs. Lambchop. Stanley bowed to his mother and passed her the tea. Then he did the same for his father and for his brother, Odenaboo gave Stanley a proud smile. Wow, Arthur said, making a face after his sip of tea. This tastes kind of interesting, Stanley said quickly. I agree, Arthur. Mrs. Lambchop gave Stanley a proud smile too. And then it was time to go to the airport. At the gate, as the Lambchop's flight was announced, Odenaboo bowed deeply to Stanley. Stanley, son, you have given me a great gift, he said. You have reminded me of who I am again, not just what I am. Stanley smiled and shook Odenaboo's hand. And you'll come to the Cherry Blossom Festival next year in Washington, D.C.? Oh, yes, you may count on it. You will always be my personal ninja, and I will always be your most humble friend. The Lamb Chops waved goodbye to Odenaboo and marched down the jetway to their plane. As they boarded, the flight attendant took their tickets and looked puzzled. Only three tickets? She asked, but there are four of you. But only three of us need seats, Mr. Lambchop said. He sat down and then tucked Stanley neatly into the seat pocket in front of him. Everyone had a hearty chuckle about the handiness of Stanley's shape before buckling up for the safe flight home. Mariko made this one, Arthur pinned an origami owl to the bulletin board in his bedroom. And Cho made this one, an origami turtle. And Taki, a paper rabbit. And Hannah, Arthur tacked a paper something to the bulletin board. What about you, Stanley? Did you bring home any souvenirs? Stanley sat on his bed, looked glumly at a photograph. Oh, I have this, I guess, he said. It was a picture of Oda Nabu looking fierce in his samurai robes, holding his hands menacingly above his head. To Stanley, fight strong, Oda Nabu was written across the photo. Stanley looked away. He felt sad for some reason. Stanley Lambchop, Mr. Lambchop called up the stairs. Express mail for Stanley Lambchop. Stanley jumped up and raced down the stairs. Moments later, he returned, holding an envelope. The stamps in the corner were Japanese. Open it up, Arthur cried. Stanley did. He pulled out a photograph and a letter, which he read aloud Dear Stanley, son, here is the real me. I can never thank you enough for showing me who I am rather than what I am. I will see you soon, and when I do, I promise I will at least be a green belt. Stanley looked at the photo. There was Oda Nabu standing in a line of karate students. A white belt was knotted around his waist. He was smiling broadly. Stanley could not have felt prouder. He tacked the photo to the bulletin board and then turned and bowed to Arthur. Prepare to fight, Arthur-san, he cried. Prepare to be defeated. Never, Arthur said as he leaped up, bounced high on his bed and landed with a boom on the opposite side of the room. It is you who will be defeated, Stanley son. Boys, Mrs. Lambchop called up the stairs. Arthur, Stanley, the bookshelves are wobbling. Can we have a little quiet time, pleaded Mr. Lambchop from his study. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. The boys called back in unison and then they went right back to what they were doing. The end.